my brothers and sisters to the Greater Little Zion Baptist Church. We are delighted that you have joined us this morning for the time of worship and celebration. And it is our prayer indeed that the worship experience by way of music will bless your soul and the preaching of God's word will give you the necessary inspiration and instruction that you need. So sit back, digest, be blessed as the Spirit of God speaks to you today. Amen. Announcements. 
The Mission A Ministry for the month of August will be doing a school supply drive. The goal is to give out 100 backpacks at the food distribution in August. We are asking everyone to donate and drop off on Wednesdays, Thursdays, and the next third Saturday in July. For any questions, please contact Deacon Nolan Crockett. The youth ministry will be going bowling in July. It will be on July the 18th for our youth from 6 to 7 p.m. and for our young adults from 7 to 8 p.m. To RSVP, please email tebay6 at gmail.com. On Wednesdays, we'll be having our prayer meeting at 6 p.m. and our virtual adult Bible study Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. On the weekends, we also will be having our Youth and Young Adult Sunday School Saturday at 10 a.m. and our Adult Sunday School on Sunday at 8.30 a.m. Well, we hope that you have a blessed rest of your Sunday, and thank you for joining us for our worship service. I want to tell you a story. My sister called me one day and she told me, she said, Kenny, I got something to tell you. She said, I have cancer. And she said, don't you worry, because it's going to be all right. She went through the chemo and went through the radiation. Thank God she made it through. And she called me three weeks ago. And she said, Kenny, I got something to tell you again. She said, my cancer came back. But she said, don't you worry, because God has got me. And I know that's something I should be telling her. But she was telling me that God's got me. And she said, don't you worry. I said, well, you let me know when your appointment is, because I don't want you to go through this by yourself. Two weeks after that, she called me again and she said, I went to my appointment and I was a little upset because she didn't tell me because I wanted to go with her. But she said, you don't have to come down here. She said, when I went to my appointment, they didn't find anything. The doctors couldn't find anything. They didn't understand what went wrong. Well, we know that there was nobody but Jesus. If you want healing, just call on the name of Jesus. Just say his name. So if you're out there, sing this song with us. Call on the name of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Savior, 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 Savior,
a healer. Healer, healer, healer. He's here, you just tell him thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. 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 Just call his name. Jesus, Jesus. Let's sing this Jesus part. In the name of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He's a Savior. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He's our provider. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He's our healer. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Just say the name. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Say the name of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. Just call his name. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He's a savior. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He's a healer. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He's a provider. He's a deliverer. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Just call his name. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Call the name of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, 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 Welcome, my brothers and sisters. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad within it. Why don't you grab your Bibles and turn with me, if you will, to the book of Genesis chapter 41, the book of Genesis chapter 41, and we're going to read actually verses 33 through verse 44, Genesis chapter 41, verses 33 through 44. We are continuing our exposition on the life of Joseph. 
and we are moving forward almost to our point of conclusion. Just a few more sermons and we'll be done with this topic, examination of Joseph, and we'll move to something else. Genesis chapter 41, and we'll begin reading at verse 40, at verse 33. Here's the word of the Lord. I'm reading from the New Living Translation this morning. Therefore, Pharaoh should find an intelligent and wise man and put him in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh should appoint supervisors over the land and let them collect one-fifth of all the crops during the seven good years. Have them gather all the food produced in the good years that are just ahead and bring it to Pharaoh's storehouses. Store it away and guard it so there will be food in the cities. That way there will be enough food when the seven years of famine come to the land of Egypt. Otherwise, the famine will destroy the land. Joseph's suggestions were well received by Pharaoh and his officials. So Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court and all my people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have a rank higher than yours. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand and placed it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in fine linen clothing and hung a gold chain around his neck. Then he had Joseph ride in the chariot reserved for the second in command. And wherever Joseph went, the command was shouted, kneel down. So Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of all of Egypt. And Pharaoh said to him, I am Pharaoh, but no one will lift a hand or a foot in the entire land of Egypt without your approval. This morning, we're going to preach from the subject, from hardship to hallelujah, from hardship to hallelujah. Well, what may have seemed impossible while in the clutches of temptation, while in the clutches of tribulation, and while in the bowels of hardship, have now been shifted from just that, from a position of hardship to now a position of hallelujah. Joseph has provided his diagnosis slash interpretation of Pharaoh's dreams. It ought to be highly appreciated when someone can critique your problem while also at the same time provide a solution to rectify your problem. I'm convinced in my own way that Pharaoh is internally screaming joy. He's screaming joy and relief because what eluded him earlier has now come to life. As one translation says, he's got now a peace of mind. No doubt after hearing Joseph's interpretation, he could have struggled with the idea 
that he does not have control regarding stopping the famine from occurring in Egypt. Joseph has made it clear that God has gave you two dreams, not only because those dreams consist of duality, but also to impress in Pharaoh's mind that God is certainly going to carry out those dreams and these two seasons of prosperity and famine are indeed coming. Once again, let's listen to what the text says in verse 32. Word of the Lord. As for having similar dreams, it means that these two events have been decreed by God and He will soon make them happen. But beginning in verse 37, Joseph proposed that Pharaoh, you can survive these seasons if you follow the direction that I'm giving you. Remember, not only is the interpretation coming from God, but also the challenge to be obedient to the voice of God through his servant. Trust me, I know at times that there are people who just don't take seriously what the preacher says, but I know I spend time preparing because I believe that what I have to say is what God would actually have me say to you regarding the text. And my conviction is that if you write down and take seriously what I say by way of the points of emphasis and words of encouragement that I attempt to provide, like Pharaoh, as Joseph is really promising him, you will succeed if you follow the direction of the word. This entire incident reminds me of something in 2 Kings chapter 5 when we read that familiar story of Naaman who is challenged by a messenger of Elisha to get rid of his leprosy, he's told to wash seven times in the Jordan River. Certainly not, that's not what Naaman wanted to do, but his moment, that moment in which he was instructed to follow the word, to be obedient, challenged him when the servants raised the question, if a prophet had told you to do something great, you would have done it. Now, how much more then, because a messenger, not the prophet, told you to wash and be clean? Unlike Naaman, Pharaoh doesn't seem reluctant to embrace the proposal of Joseph. Instead, what he does is actually embraces the solution by Joseph. He makes clear that the words coming from Joseph's mouth is indeed something that he is going to follow. It says in verse 37, in reference to what Pharaoh heard from Joseph, the proposal seemed good to Pharaoh. In other words, I have a gut feeling that what Joseph is sharing to me, says Pharaoh, is words of truth. But here's what I want to shout about. Joseph put his best foot forward and captured Pharaoh in this interview. And I call it a job interview because that's actually what happens. 
Pharaoh calls Joseph up from prison and brings Joseph before him to be interviewed about his ability to interpret dreams. And what does Joseph do? He not only puts his best foot forward, but he kills the interview. And by the word kill, I means he blows it away. But he does it by enforcing various principles in the process. The first thing I think that Joseph did was he attempted to take Pharaoh's mind and inform him that he must focus. Look at verse 34, if you will, and listen to what the Bible says. When Joseph speaks to Pharaoh about the plan of action, listen to what the word says. Then Pharaoh, well, let's go back to 33. Pharaoh should find an intelligent and wise man and put him in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh should appoint supervisors over the land and let them collect one-fifth of all of the crops during the good years. Remember this, your assignment will require total focus. And that's what really Joseph is doing as he's being interviewed by Pharaoh. He captures his focus, but then he focuses Pharaoh's attention on the critical thing. And your assignment, you must remember, will always require for you to have total focus. Now, what is focus? Focus is anything that consumes your time, consumes your energy, consumes your finances, and consumes your attention. So if Satan can blur or distract your focus from your assignment, then he has mastered you. And how do you destroy someone's goal? You give them another goal. And that Satan intention is to take the goals that you have in front of you that you've already established and then to find a way to give you another goal to substitute that goal, which in return takes you totally off focus as to where you should be going. And Joseph has focused himself on the duration of his journey, and now he is focusing Pharaoh. He's actually teaching Pharaoh a principle that has come to pass in his own life. And he's telling Pharaoh by way of indirect yet inferred language, Pharaoh, focus on what I'm telling you and the land of Egypt is going to be all right. Look what he says. Once again, back in verse 33. Take action, appoint overseers, managers of the land, take a fifth of the produce, during those prosperous years, store it up and let it become the reserve for the famine years. See, that's 34 through 36 verses. He makes it clear, and it's an actual economic principle that we all should practice. Save in your moments of prosperity. Don't spend it all. Put some aside. Because as my grandmama used to say, a rainy day is going to come. That was their analogy or their picturesque way of saying hard times are going to come and the plenty may not be there as it was before. But when you put aside 
a little something every pay period, you in return build up. So when those tough days come, you have a reserve that you can depend on, that you can gather a little bit from, uh, from to get you through the lean days. That's what Joseph is merely telling Pharaoh. I want you to see how serious this whole issue of focus is. I want to show you from the book of Deuteronomy chapter 13 and particularly verse 6 through 11 how serious even God is about the issue of focus. Now listen to this text very closely and hear what God says through Moses. Suppose someone secretly entices you, even your brother, your son or daughter, your beloved wife, your closest friend, and says, let us go worship other gods, gods that neither you nor your ancestors have known. They might suggest that you worship the gods of the people who live nearby or who come from the ends of the earth. Listen to the word. But do not give in or listen. Have no pity and do not spare or protect them. Here it is. You must put them to death. Strike the first blow yourself and then all the people must join in. Stone the guilty ones to death because they have tried to draw you away from the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt the place of slavery. Now, catch what the theme and the meaning of the verse says. Whoever or whatever it is trying to draw you away from maintaining focus on God, get rid of it. Get rid of them. He uses the word slay them. Get them out of your life. Remove them. Simply saying, you must disconnect yourself from persons or practices or principles that move your focus off of glorifying God. Because here's what he's saying. He's talking about focus. What you look at the longest becomes the strongest influence in your life. And when you start moving your focus away from the ultimate influence which ought to be God, then God is saying through Moses, which is saying to us, you're going to go away and begin to serve and worship and embrace that which is contrary to me. In other words, Joseph says to you and I, through the episode of Pharaoh, focus. Stay focused on the things that God has given you, whether it's the past, whether it's the present, or whether it's the future, it has mastered you if you allow it to draw you away and change your focus. This is why Paul says to us in his Philippian letter, particularly in chapter 3 and verse 13 and 14, he says, I've not achieved it. In other words, I have not yet arrived at that level of constantly staying focused like I ought to but it's a working progress. I'm working on it. He says it's a working progress, but I'm working to focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. 
and I can't do that. I can't focus on what's forward when my focus is to the left or the right or to the rear. In other words, wherever you are now, whatever your goals are, stay focused that you might achieve what you're attempting to do. Remember what I said. What you look at the longest becomes the strongest influence in your life. Sight affects desire. Listen to what I said. Sight affects desire. What you keep looking upon, you will eventually pursue. That's why God constantly tried to teach Israel through the prophets, stay focused on me. Don't pay attention nor draw your focus to the gods who are in the people around you, but you know who you are. And in this Deuteronomy passage, there is something here at the end. Stay focused on the God who brought you out of Egypt, who brought you out of slavery, who brought you out of the bondage. And God is saying to you this morning, stay focused on the God who not only saved your soul, but the God who lifted you up and the God who gave you encouragement and the God who delivered you from that depression and delivered you from that bondage, the God who worked it out for you when you thought there was no way to work it out, the God who helped you when your back was against the wall, stay focused on God who not only has brought you out but has introduced you to the marvelous light of his grace. There's another thing I think Joseph is saying to Pharaoh, but also is saying to us, and that is, your assignment will require time more than you realize. Your assignment will, will require time more than you realize. Now this point really is more about Joseph than anything. Notice that Joseph had plenty of time on his hands to develop his focus. Some 13 to 15 years have passed and he has been working in prison. He has been working how to stay focused. He's had to stay focused to keep his hope alive, to keep his strength alive, to keep his will alive. And keep this in mind. Staying focused will require preparation time. Preparation time, meaning that God may have you in a space, may permit you to stay there, because in that focusing process, in that time, you're going to go through seasons of negotiation. That simply means that you're going to be there trying to negotiate with God, and you may not get anywhere, but you need to get it out. You're going to go through seasons of insignificance. You're going to feel as if God has left you where you are and no one cares about you, particularly God, and you feel like the bottom is where you, is, where you are and there's no way up. We get those seasons. You're going to go through seasons of meditation. It's interesting how when you get in that space where you have time and the stillness of the moment is all around you, we enter into intimate meditation. You're going to have seasons of agitation. Everything is going to work your last nerve. It's because you're in a space 
and you've got time and events aren't evolving the way that you desire. But keep in mind, God is working on your focus so that you don't focus on what's around you in terms of its destructive measure. You're not ignoring it, but you're not putting your focus there. You're putting your focus on the God who can bring you out, bring you through, take you over, give you the victory in the process. It requires seasons. And then the final is the season of warfare. And you will get it. You will get that warfare from the enemy. You will get that warfare from people that you certainly trusted and can't understand why they are saying what they're saying and thinking the way they are thinking. You will have those moments. Expect them. Remember, your assignment is going to require you to have more time than you realize because it's not going to come overnight. 13 plus years, Joseph is waiting for his promotion. It takes that long for God to bring it about. But he's not the only one. When you read the Bible, keep this in mind, it took Moses 80 years before he actually became the liberator of Israel. It took that much time in preparations, 30 years, uh, 40 years in Egypt and then 40 years in the desert or the backside of the desert. It took Jesus 30 years to prepare for a three and a half year ministry. In other words, Joseph is making clear to Pharaoh and you and I, but listen to what he tells Pharaoh, it's going to take seven years of good to prepare for seven years of bad. And that's why I'm trying to encourage you to keep this in mind. Time is currency on earth. Time is currency on earth. Invest it, multiply it, but spend it wisely. I think it's Paul who says in Ephesians 5, Redeem the time, make the most of it, because the days are evil. And I'm trying to tell you, when you're talking about getting a promotion through the hand of God, it's going to require some time. Why? Because your assignment will be revealed progressively. I know we want to really have that thing revealed to us quite quickly, but most of our assignments don't come all in one package. In fact, <clears throat> our assignment is like a puzzle. <clears throat> it's revealed to us piece by piece. We generally don't get a complete understanding of our assignment in one visit with God. Why? Because God is interested in a relationship and not an event. God wants to establish rapport with you. If it was just an event, God could make it happen. But God wants intimacy, time, conversation. God wants to be a part, center of your life. So God, what does he do? 
He imparts information to us paragraph by paragraph and not chapter by chapter. In fact, I can remember the words of Isaiah 28, verse 13. In dealing with Israel by way of judgment, God decides to reveal unto Israel, says the Bible, God will spell out his message one line at a time, a little here and a little there, or as the old King James Version says, line upon line, precept upon precept. God's not going to give it to you all at once, but slowly, slowly. And if you remember the life of Joseph so far that we have interrogated, recall how God revealed to Joseph his assignment progressively. First the pit, then the prison, and now the palace. There's nothing I want you to keep in mind. This is all unfolding in the Joseph narrative. Your assignment will contain seasons of social isolation and change. Seasons of social isolation and change. Have you noticed that in the Joseph story, we never hear or see anyone personally in Joseph's life beyond his brothers throwing him in the pit. But no one else personally from his family or anywhere else is involved in Joseph's life. It's because oftentimes we fail at our objective because of broken focus. And when Satan wants to distract you, he brings someone into your life to break that attention off of God. Why do you think as parents we warn our children passionately when they go off to college, stay focused, remember why you are there. There are times when God wants you away from social media. Get off of your Facebook. Get off of Instagram. Spend time with God in isolation. Spend time in the word of God and in prayer. Because in that clear moment that the Bible teaches us, God will use prayerful isolation to convey to you your assignment and he wants to create intimacy. Have you also noticed that when Job initially heard all the bad news in his life, it's in isolation. Read Job 1. It's one tragic after another, but it's as if he's alone. As if God got him in that space to get his attention. But Joseph may be alone in isolation as he was, but the Bible says, but the Lord was with Joseph to develop his focus. 
which is why I believe that Joseph is able to move progressively from the pit to the prison to the palace. He solves Pharaoh's problem, his dreams. He interprets and provides a plan of action. And now Pharaoh has to look for a person to assure the prosperity of Egypt. Listen to what the Bible says in verse 38. So Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man, so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? Even Pharaoh knows that this assignment has to be handled by someone who has a God spirit, who is anointed to hear divinely and who knows how to execute. People seek your wisdom because they recognize you've got a godly spirit and because your wisdom makes sense. It helps them solve the problem. And when Pharaoh considered his options, Verse 39 says, why do I need to look any further? <laughs> look what the text says. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or as wise as you are. Look what he says. You will be in charge. Promotion you will be in charge over my court and all my people will take orders from you. Only I sitting on my throne will have a rank higher than yours. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Talk about promotion. His comeback has evolved into full fruition. Pharaoh has promoted Joseph because Joseph, in his life's journey, he's now gone from the pit to the prison to the palace to solving a problem to providing a proposal to laying out the plan and all of that gives birth to his divine promotion. Now my spiritual imagination believes that Joseph's position was obviously created for him. I do not believe anybody else occupied. Obviously, no one else had the position, lest Pharaoh would have no need to say, who can I find with a spirit like this man? Because Joseph's gift has made room for him. And now... Absolute power has been placed in Joseph's hand. He's only second in command to Pharaoh himself. And look what's happened to Joseph's life. He walked into Pharaoh's presence that day a condemned man. Straight from prison and then he walked out again the greatest man in the known world. I want to believe that Potiphar was there 
I really do. When Pharaoh listens to Joseph's proposal, it said other officials was there. I believe Potiphar was there. And imagine what might have happened that night when Potiphar got home and began to converse with Mrs. Potiphar. He looked her at the, in the eye at the dinner table and said to her, do you remember that Hebrew we had in here several years ago? The one you accused of saying that he tried to molest you or raped you? And you can see her face is steeled with concerns of the moment, but yet answers, yeah, what about him? Well, <laughs> says Potiphar, I only hope your accusations were just because he is now the man over Egypt beside Pharaoh. He has appointed him. And I also want you to know, I start reporting to him tomorrow morning. <laughs> the Potiphar's may have sat back in their chair wondering from that moment on if this Joseph remembers them and if he would retaliate because he's the most powerful man of Egypt besides Pharaoh. But we'll learn later that Joseph never reduces himself to such behavior because his promotion has yielded in that all that he had lost, listen to me, all that he had lost, he got it back in his promotion across the years. I'm closing now, but listen to what the Bible says in verse 42. Then Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand and placed it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in the fine linen clothing and hung a gold chain around his neck. Then he had Joseph ride in the second chariot reserved for one who's in second in command. Listen to what happened. Look at Joseph. The hands that had known the hard toil of a slave were now adorned by the king's signet ring. That signet ring signified power and authority in all of Egypt. The feet that had been freed now from the torment of the fetters and the chain no longer bound. Now he has a gold chain around his neck, once again representing authority. Remember the coat of many colors that he had lost some 13 years earlier when his brothers took it from him in anger and jealousy? Remember also the garment that he left when he was trying to run away from Mrs. Potiphar? But look at him now. He's adorned in royal robe. He's got royal wardrobe of fine linen to pick from. <laughs> because the once Joseph who was treated as an outcast by Egypt, now all Egypt was commanded to bow before him as he rode in the second chariot and as the prime minister of Egypt. We might contend that Joseph lived out the principles of Matthew 6.33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, 
and all the stuff that you want and desire. I'll give it to you, says God. What are our lessons learned in the text? Two, and then I'm done. One, the environment of Joseph's pain and suffering actually became the environment for Joseph's promotion. I'll say it again. The environment of Joseph's pain and suffering became the environment for his promotion. Now he gets to ride around Egypt before Mrs. Potiphar and the butler who forgot him for two years in his new position. Remember the words of David in Psalm 23, verse 5? He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Can you see Joseph now? I want you to get this in this principle. God does not have to move you out of Egypt to promote you. In other words, keep believing in his time and God will promote your comeback. There's a second principle. Some blessings won't just appear. They will require you to work for them, trust for them, and believe for them. I'll say it again. Some blessings won't just appear. They will, they will require you to work for them, to trust for them, and to believe for them. This means that there will be seasons when you do not know the ending point. Don't know when that isolation time will come to its conclusion. Don't know when my liberation will occur. But work where you are and don't lose focus. Pray and grow. Develop your character and integrity and God will promote you in due season. Look how God turned Joseph's hardship into his hallelujah. And I want to propose today, that's what God will do for you if you merely trust him and depend that he's able to take your hardship and turn it into a hallelujah. Father, I thank you for the word today in which we have gathered from this moment in Joseph's life. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that leads and guides into all truth. And I just pray now, God, that somebody today who may be in the midst of their hardship will stay focused and keep persevering because you're going to turn it into their hallelujah in due season. Help them realize, God, that the environment of pain that they are in could very well become the same environment that will birth their promotion. Help them also see, Lord, that there are some blessings that just won't appear, but we're going to have to work for them, trust for them, and believe for them. Today, Lord, I pray that someone experiences that deliverance and you give victory to their life today. In the name of Jesus the Christ, we pray. Amen. That's my prayer that the Lord will bless you today to the point where the word of God 
has become the liberating aspect, guidance to help you recognize your hardship will become your hallelujah when you trust God to bring you through. If someone today comes to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior as a result of the preaching of God's word, we want to rejoice with you. If you would let us know by way of social media, you will see three platforms at the end of this service that you can contact us. We would greatly appreciate knowing how God has worked in the midst of your life. We appreciate you also tuning in on this Sunday and every Sunday that you do to worship with us. And my prayer is that this hour of worship in both the word of God and the music that refers to God is a blessing to your life. And that when you leave this moment, your life is changed and you walk away with an anticipation to grow and to experience the great things that God has in store for you. Always remember that God loves you and so do I. And I want you to have a blessed, wonderful week in the Lord and walk victoriously because your hardship is going to become your hallelujah in Jesus' name.